This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Then there was the news that the Bryans have decided to retire with Bob and Mike saying, we still love competing, it's in our blood, but it's no fun getting our bodies to the stage we need to get them to, to compete at the highest level. Yeah, you know, it, it's such a shame, isn't it? I mean, of course, nothing about this year really has been that ideal for, for many players. And they wanted to play it out in, in front of their fans and do their bit of the uh, farewell tour. Um, but it doesn't really seem like there's much point now. I can kind of understand that. Like, it's hard for them. They've, they've done so much for the sport. And to, to walk out on court with, with no one there, I, I can understand them making that decision and saying, OK, maybe we just wrap this up now. Because otherwise you'd be thinking, OK, well, maybe we'll get proper crowds back in back end of this year optimistically maybe beginning of 2021 but they just don't know really and you know they'd like to do it on their own terms so it's a bit of a shame but as I say it's not really ideal for anyone is it no and, and it's not like they've got anything else to prove it's not like so Serena Williams for instance she's out here trying to get that record to equal it maybe surpass it there is something she really wants Djokovic he's desperate for records he's talked about the Bryan brothers they, they've kind of done it all now I mean at all I mean, is there anything they haven't done? They've done it all. Just trying to think. <laughs> they <laughs> hoovered up everything. But also, they have done a huge amount for the sport. People know who the Bryan brothers are. And I think that is, uh, like, uh, for me, I just think that's just a huge part of their legacy. They're, I wouldn't say they've necessarily transcended the sport like a Federer or somebody else has, but definitely in terms of the doubles, they really have. Uh, there are plenty of people who would know sort of some of the top singles players and. Uh, the Bryan brothers, even if they're not massive tennis fans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and while we're talking about the Bryan brothers, I think we should hear from their father, Wayne. Now, for those people who think, wow, we were organised getting this interview together, this interview wasn't done recently. It was done with Seb Lozio, but it's a really lovely chat. It's just spending time with their father, who's been with them every step of this fabulous journey. So please enjoy Wayne Bryan. I am with Wayne Bryan, father of Bob and Mike, and we're sitting under one of the many... Uh, beautiful trees here in the Lintner Family Tennis Centre that offer shade from the sun, Wayne, which is very important. This place has grown beautifully, hasn't it? I mean, the landscaping, they got so many more courts. The fans have grown by leaps and bounds. This thing is expanding, which is really great to see. Like Indian Wells, we've seen such growth in Miami and all those great Master Series events. But this one, right along with everybody else, is really growing. Great to see, Seth. Now, I want to talk to you about being a parent in tennis. If we just look at the, the men's game at the moment, you've got Tsitsipas, Shapovalov, Zverev, you know, then you've got Uncle Tony, of course, and then yeah. the Dahl camp. Um, give me an insight into the life of a, a parent and, you know, looking after young, elite, professional uh, tennis players. Well, Seb, you've done your homework. I mean, three of the brightest prospects in tennis now are really from tennis families, where the dad and sometimes the mom as well coach uh, the, the kids I mean I and I think that's wonderful I think it should be a, a family sport I think music the greatest musicians come from musical families where the where the mom or dad sings or plays an instrument and they become great rodeo stars come from parents who are rodeo so it's only natural that that, that parents who are in tennis want to share that with their kids I think it's healthy and positive people always say what's the key the great coach at grambling the football team the great uh, famous Eddie Robinson he said coaching 
is a profession of love. You know, to me, coaching is teaching, teaching is parenting, parenting is mentoring. It's really all the same. And the number one thing is you got to care about that child that you're entrusted with, whether it's a student or a niece or a nephew or your grandson or your son or daughter. Uh, if you care about them as a person first, what's best for this person, uh, for their life? If, if tennis fits in there and works in there beautifully and you care about them, not about winning or losing or being a pro, but you just care about them as a person, then the tennis can come along or the music can come along or the academics. But unconditional love is at the bedrock of all, I think, uh, parenting, coaching, teaching situations. So as a, as a good player yourself, when did you know, when did you see that Bob and Mike were you know, potentially going to make a, make a thing of this? Honestly, at six, um, they played in a 10-and-under tournament. It was the first tournament they ever played. And they both got to the finals, and, I, and, and it was a very tough field, and I thought, there's, there's no way they're going to win a match. And then, boom, they're both in the finals. And by the time they were eight, we had several hundred people that had already come up to us and said they're going to be the next great American doubles team. They're going to be number one in the world. They're going to win all the slams. I mean, when they were eight, it was being predicted. So I would be lying to you if I said what they've done surprised me. Uh, in, honest, in all honesty, it didn't because I knew the level of passion that they had, and I knew my wife and I weren't going to mess it up, you know, which we didn't. Uh, and we, we, we always took them to matches because I believe champions take it in through their eyes and not their ears. You have to see it before you can dream it, and you must be passionate about it before you can achieve it. They had the dream. They had the passion. They had some athletic ability. They had some coaching and this and that and the other. And um, they came from a great country and a great uh, city and town. So it really didn't surprise me that they did what they did. And did they aspire as young kids to be singles players, though? Or, did, or what, how, I mean, obviously the fact that they're twins lends itself to being a doubles team. But when did that happen? It's interesting because all their early dreams. Look, they were great singles players. Bob, Bob was number one in the U.S. in the juniors, uh, number one in college tennis. Mike was right behind They were right there. Uh, I mean, look, Bob beat Tim Hemmen at uh, Queens, for crying out loud, and Mike beat Cedric Pialin when he was a top-ten player. I mean, they can play singles for sure. But you know something? They loved playing doubles, and you know what else? People loved watching them play. In the juniors, they drew crowds. I mean, there was no crowds at juniors, but they would come out to watch the Bryan brothers play doubles. In college, they had huge crowds. And the tour, any place they play, any country, uh, the stands will be full. I think it sort of shaped them, um, the doubles. They... If you look at their early uh, goals and dreams, they said, we want to win the Wimbledon doubles. We want to win the U.S. Open doubles. We want to win the French. We want to be number one. We want to win the Davis Cup. We want to play a stand. Their, their real true dreams were about doubles because they just have that crazy bond. And you know something? They love being out there and playing. As happy as we were that Mike won Wimbledon with Jack Sock. I mean, of course, that's a joy. But... It was tempered by the fact that Bob wasn't out there. So there was a certain sadness. At the same time, there was joy. And I'm not knocking Jack in any way or shape or way. He's a wonderful player. But uh, it's a beautiful thing when the boys are out there playing. And when they were young, was there ever a, I don't know, a concern that in just doing tennis, 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 they were going to be, you know, they were going to lack balance? Or, or did they do other things? Did they play other sports? Were, well, were you mindful that you needed them to be rounded sort of sportsmen as well? We really feel if you're going to be great, you've got to get after it. 
I mean, they were passionate. They wanted to be tennis pros since I was six years old. So it was just they, tennis, tennis. They wanted to play at uh, Stanford. They wanted to play on the tour. They wanted to play. Oh, they had all these huge dreams. Well, you can't have these huge dreams if you're playing a lot of baseball, a lot of soccer, a lot of basketball, a lot of gymnastics, a lot of swimming. Did they do those things? Of course. They can swim. They can shoot baskets beautifully. They can play ping pong. They can play golf. They can hit a baseball. They can do it all. They just don't excel. They didn't go after that. They went after tennis in a passionate way. But they do have a secondary passion. And that is music. They're incredible musicians. Uh, they've got a great CD out. Uh, they've played with the best bands in the world, the best musicians. They have a five-piece band that'll blow your mind. They play Indian Wells. They play Houston. They played Atlanta last week. They play all kind of places. So their secondary passion is not gymnastics or swimming or golf. It's music. Their third uh, passion was, was their academics, which they went after because they wanted to go to Stanford. But the two biggest things, they, obviously, tennis and music. But they dabble in the other. I don't think that you can go after five different things and expect to be great because you're going to have what I call an athletic death when you get in school. You're going to go out on that basketball court, and here's this kid who's been playing only basketball since we're three, and you're going to compete against him. You're going to go out on the golf course and compete against Tiger Woods, who's been playing golf since he was three. I mean, you didn't know Tiger is a great baseball player or a football player or a tennis player. No. You know, as a great golfer, his skill level's off the off the hook, and I think that's the thing with the boys. They got an amazing skill level. There's a book called The Outlier saying you need 10,000 hours to be a champion. I think it's 30,000 hours. I think it's 30,000 hours. Because I, 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 I have looked at all the hours. I know how to. I knew how many hours they played at five, six, seven, right up until now, and it ain't 10,000. It's 30,000. Were they rivals as kids? All brothers battle for uh, parental love. All brothers battle each other. Uh, they would have some pretty bloody singles matches out at the club. We would never let them tell who won. We always make them go out on court 17, far away from the clubhouse. Uh, but we, but in in juniors, we always had one default to the other. I guess they were in three or four hundred singles finals, and we'd always have one defaulting to the other because you can't be number one in the world if you're number two in the bedroom. We, I've worked with many siblings, and sometimes the second sibling comes along, will beat that first sibling, and suddenly the second sibling rockets up and the first sibling goes down so we tried to keep them both up in the air and make them both equal because as the chart going forward does not go smoothly from one to 100 it 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 undulates and goes up and down so if you say oh look at mike's up here today and bob's down here that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you amplify that so you gotta just don't say a word to Mike and dust Bob off and say, let's get back out on the track. We'll do a little extra this week. Uh, this is a long story. I don't know if you got time for it. But we were in the backyard with a broom, and I threw Bob a tennis ball when he was about four years old. And he had a lucky swing and knocked a darn tennis ball with a broom handle 200 feet over our Chinese elm tree. I've never seen anything like it. An adult couldn't have done it. So Mike said, let me try, let me try. Well, what happened? I threw it to Mike, and he missed. And he missed, and he missed, and he missed. And he starts crying. He doesn't realize Bob was lucky. So I said, hey, Bob, get out of here. For three days, I'm out there throwing balls to Mike. Finally, he got lucky, too. Hit the damn thing 200 feet over the Chinese. I'm sorry. I go, okay, you're just as good as Bob. Let's go on, you know. So that's the way things go. But you, I could have made that, oh, Bob, you're good. Oh, Mike, you're not good. And let that stick. And that would have been a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you got to be very careful. Uh, look, they got the same gene pool, the same DNA. They should be equal. But we worked very hard. And making sure they were. If you ask them both today, who's the best player? They'll each say they are. I, I wanted to ask you about the trophy uh, room. It must be a. Oh it, I mean, where are they? There must be hundreds of them. In, in seven different places. 
uh, you know, every time you win a, a, a terminal tour, you get this beautiful Waterford Crystal. You know, Waterford Crystal is not cheap. Go price it. You know, you, it, it isn't some bowl. It, I mean, I hate to say we put guacamole in those things, but uh, I've got a tremendous amount of trophies, and they have eight homes, and we got stuff stashed and in, in warehouses, and I will never be able to. It's that we got an obscene amount of water for crystal. And you're gonna keep you, you've kept it all, which is the well, nice give me thing. Your address, I'll be happy to send you <laughs> ten or fifteen items. If you ever get in a hard times, you can go hawk that stuff for 500 a copy and you'll be fine. I'll give you my address. That would be great, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to ask you as well about yourself, because you, you played. I heard you yeah. um, during the, the double show, Dan, you're saying you're on tour. You, you went to New Zealand as a player. Yeah, you, but I, mean, you, I, wasn't, I was just a, a, a donkey. I wasn't, you never heard of me. I mean, I was just a mediocre. I, hey, look, I played number one on my college team. I'm in the Hall of Fame for my college. I'm in three Hall of Fames. But uh, you're not going to read about me uh, in any pro record books that's right I was a mediocre pro player but low low end but I mean I'm a pretty good player I know, I know how to play you know I mean I, I'm a good coach and blah 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 but uh no I was not a great player and what do you what do you do now uh, other, other than entertain people at, at tennis tournaments well that's what I do I, I MC events uh I you know I, I just worked Washington DC last week I worked Atlanta I work Houston I work Indian Wells I work I'll do a lot of my I also do uh I have a book I speak, I coach kids over the phone because I don't have time to do it. I, just, I coach coaches, you know, and I also have a band, and I appear with that band a lot. But I usually have a microphone in one hand and a racket in the other, or a guitar, a set of drums, or a bit. but I love what I do. I love people, and I love to make tennis as fun as possible, and I'm proud to be Mike and Bob's dad, and we've had a lot of great times through the years, and I'm proud of, of how they are as people, not just players. Wayne, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. I could sit here for, for hours, but uh, we've both got to go and do some work, so we've had to go and do something. Always good to be with you, Steph. Thanks for all you do for tennis. Thank you. Wayne Bryan speaking to Seth. That was Cincinnati back in 2018, and I've, I've had the pleasure at various tournaments, including Indian Wells, to be in the crowd when the Bryan brothers band and dad and everyone's up on stage. And they what they've done, uh, so much for tennis, but... Just focusing on the doubles game, they have changed that game out of all recognition in terms of bringing people into the sport, the way they play the sport, the, the influence they've had. We talk about Serena Williams being an influence people, but the Bryan brothers have done something very special for their part of tennis. Yeah, and being double specialists as well that can yeah. draw crowds. Yes, we've always seen the, the singles players that are also very good at doubles Absolutely. and win lots of titles, draw big crowds. I think we could also say that the Woodies were in that category a little bit before. The Bryan's very popular indeed but I think the Bryan's taking it to a whole new level, particularly out in the States. And, I mean, you would just never see a Bryan Brothers match with no one watching or with few people watching. It was always packed out in terms of one of the outside courts. Um, I always wanted to go there as well. And then even within the game, even within doubles and the way that they just pushed it forward, just their method of playing, for example, just really changed, I think, how doubles was, was viewed within um, as I say, the players playing doubles, how professional it became, how people were really trying to suss out uh, how to play against, uh, of course, you know, their various different uh, pairings. And they just proved themselves as some of the best doubles players, uh, you know, around playing together, playing with yeah. others, which didn't happen very often. It did happen a lot in the mixed, of course, which is sort of fair enough. It was, it was forced. <laughs> well, they had to. <laughs> they kind of had to. But then there was normally one of them winning a mixed title. It was, it was quite um, extraordinary. But, uh, you know, I've been fascinated 
watching them and you know the the, the chest bump has just been such a, a big thing and uh, you know we see it i mean coco goff's been doing that in doubles now hasn't she a little bit I as just, well i mean it's just uncomfortable isn't it i just i wouldn't have thought nothing would get me that excited that i'd want to chest bump anybody <laughs> are you sure winning the us open I'm i don't even think that would cause i'd maybe do many things but not chest bump someone well, if you're up two sets to love and what, then you single, break what, in the who third am i going to chest bump with I just whoever whoever helped me win this title as a team, I just give them a cuddle. That's it. Yeah. Well, a couple of times they've been quite enthusiastic that uh, one of them's nearly fallen over, <laughs> which has always been entertaining. But uh, no, I just yeah, it's just been a fantastic story for them to make uh, a really strong career, not just kind of scrape by and have kind of a decent career being a doubles player, but actually saying we're famous, mm. we're successful, yeah. we are professional tennis players. They are so well respected within the world of tennis for everything they've done. Yeah, they both got families now as well. There is a life after, and you talked about it would be weird for them to come back and, and do a retirement lap with no crowds. They wouldn't be able to chest bump as well. So, I mean, what, you, you can't have that. Oh, is that not allowed? Well, because in the doubles now, we, there's, there's no speaking behind the ball with the hand because you don't want to be spreading yeah. it. So brackets. Yeah, so it's a little bit... Andre Rublev in the first round with Hashanov went to sort of shake his hand to start things off and he was sort of waved away <laughs> by the racket of Hashanov saying, don't come near me. So it's all a bit... Well, that probably added to their decision. Well, we can't chest bump, so... No chest yeah. So we're, we're out. We're done. Brian Brothers, that was a really lovely interview. I'm sure if you go on our ATP exclusives channel, you'll find that interview with Wayne Bryan. It's great. Coaches, parents, players, all sorts, and you can find that on the TuneIn Radio website now. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes Store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.